It's another beautiful Saturday morning and we hope you are set to have a very interesting time on your favorite program on radio, the Nasco Moments radio show. Do you know where your children are at this moment? Disputes between workers and employers are normal and guess what? They happen all over the world. Collective bargaining and lawful agitation for better pay and working conditions are accepted as inalienable rights guaranteed under international agreements to which Nigeria is a signatory. In Nigeria and elsewhere, workers have often joined mass movements to achieve change and to fight for rights as organized pressure groups. One way through which these pressure groups drive home their demands is through strikes. It has been suggested by some that here in Nigeria, strikes happen too frequently and often they cripple activities in vital sectors of the economy. The education sector in particular has witnessed its fair share of incessant strikes leading to frequent disruptions in the academic calendars of tertiary institutions. Arguably, the quality of graduates seems to be badly impacted thereby. But then again, are there no better options and strategies that can be adopted to end or reduce the frequent strikes in our tertiary institutions? On Nasco Moments radio talk show this Saturday morning, we will discuss some options and strategies to tackle and minimize incessant strikes in Nigerian tertiary institutions. Our guest discussant, Professor Teresa Mwese-Madu, is a professor of human resource management. She is the immediate past, first, two-time female deputy vice-chancellor administration in the 43-year history of the University of Jos, where she has been researching, teaching, and serving in the last 26 years. Mrs. Madu is a fellow of the International Women's Leadership Forum, member Society for Human Resource Management, member United States Association of Small Business and Entrepreneurship Educators and of the Academy of Management of Nigeria. Recently, she was accepted into the prestigious Longnecker Fellows Mentorship Program. Stay glued to your radio set. We'll be back in no time. My name is Hudun Gyang. A promise kept. the taste of Nasco cream crackers. Each bite is crispy and so much fun. It's excitingly cool and a delight any day. Nasco cream crackers is the ideal snack at home and office. Nasco cream crackers is best served with tea, coffee and cheese. Nasco cream crackers. Nasco cream crackers. A promise kept. It's crunchy and tasty. Nasco cream crackers. Nasco cream crackers. Another quality product from Nasco. Professor Madu, it's a pleasure to have you on the Nasco Moment Show. Same here, Wooden. Okay. Now, uh, on your experience as a long-standing academic and university administration, how serious would you say is the problem of frequent strikes in Nigerian tertiary institutions? I think using the word serious is an understatement. I, I just tried to document how long the strikes have been. It's been 39 years of one strike or the other, starting from 1980. Interestingly, in 1980, it was the governing councils of universities that closed universities. It wasn't the unions. And Almost 40 years later, we're still going around the same issues of university autonomy, funding, 
conditions of service of uh, academic and other university staff. It always goes back to the same issues. Students don't understand why it is like that. Some who are in the old brigade understand it. Some who are in the new brigade, when I say newcomers, so those who have been in academics like 10 years and under have no understanding why it should be that. But I think it centers about what kind of universities does Nigeria want? And apart from the kind of universities Nigeria want, what do we want education to do for us as people and as a nation? So let's just take an example like the European Union. And I was looking at the European Union and what they wanted entrepreneurship to do for education for them by 2008. In 2000, they had already designed a curriculum that affected the national policy on education in such a way that whatever the tertiary institution it was, it was keen into the national aspirations of what they wanted their country to be. We need to correlate that back to Nigeria and say, what does Nigeria want education to do for her? Is it just passing people through school? Or is it giving people the quality of education that makes Nigeria globally competitive in the 21st century? And that's a question that um, stakeholders are grappling with. What would you say are the factors that have been responsible for incessant strikes? So you want me to say the same thing in different words? <laughs> same, same thing. But um, this, the, the root cause is the ownership. The universities are owned 100% by the federal government of Nigeria. Now, in typical industrial relations, there's a triangle. There's the employer, there's government who is supposed to be the arbiter, and then there are the employees or the employees' unions. In Nigeria's case and many sub-Saharan African countries, the employer and the government are one. So it's tilted against the unions, which makes unions very adversarial because not only are they facing the employer, they are also facing the referee, and they don't seem to think the referee is a fair referee. So unions approach issues with the trade union mentality. The employer is looking for employee engagement. Because like I have I have told people that remember first you are an employee before you are a, a union member. But see if the triangle is tilted against an employee, can you see that they will use all the kinds of means that are available to them. In some forum I've described it as the cat and mouse game. And usually the cat will always outsmart the, the rat. Mm. Okay. Um, to what extent have these strikes negatively um, impacted tertiary institutions as entities? And also how have they impacted the students and then the future of education? Tough one. Let me start with negative goodwill. Because if you have no history of what happens in Nigeria, why are they always going on strike? And outsiders always have a take that doesn't reflect the true position of things. Do you know that without an ASU strike in 1988, we wouldn't have what we call the TED Fund as it is now. TED Fund has become the pot that feeds all tertiary institutions, universities, polytechnics, you name them. 
So if Asu did not bring about that strike, we wouldn't have had that fund. But we are also quick to acknowledge that until there is a strike, government is unable to make the releases, particularly capital releases, as they should. And then you walk into the University of Justice and you say, this is a glorified primary school. But it's owned by the federal government of Nigeria. It's not privately owned, so private people are not able to participate in it. Back to our question, what are the costs? There's such negative goodwill. People don't perceive of universities in good light. Once you have interrupted uh, work processes, we are unable to recover the time. Whatever we do, we are unable to recover the time. Don't talk about the impact on students, on the impact on parents, and the huge economic losses. In some other fora, I've tried to calculate what we call the man-hours loss to strike, and it's huge. Just recently at another forum, one professor tried to document how many weeks we had lost to strike, but he didn't calculate correctly because he was calculating from 1992, which means he had left out 1988 and the other strikes before that. But if you put it together, we are close on 250 weeks of strikes. That's almost a complete calendar year. So the costs are enormous, sociologically, economically, culturally, and internationally, because what happens to us nationally tends to affect us regionally too. Okay. So it's quite monumental. Uh, we have some more questions for our guests, so join us right after this break. away with Nasco biscuits today. Nasco cream biscuits, Nasco shortcake biscuits, Nasco cream crackers, Nasco biscuits, cream of biscuits. Welcome back. This is the Nasco Moments Radio Show. We're looking at options and strategies to tackle and minimize incessant strikes in Nigerian tertiary institutions. Our guest is Professor Teresa Madu, a professor of human resource management. Now, can you categorize the various issues for us to understand what the unions in tertiary institutions are agitating over. <laughs> Forgive me for laughing. Is it that the unions in tertiary institutions that uh, are yearning or this is the aspiration of all stakeholders in Nigeria's education? We want quality education. We, we want the kind of education that makes us competitive. In fact, we want the kind of education that makes others come and participate in education tourism. That's the kind of education we wanted. That's the kind of education we had in the in the 70s and 80s. We lost it beginning the 90s. So this is the kind of thing um, we want. But having said that, actually, what unions want, which maybe if they get it, they may not quite like it, they want the right to determine the things that affect them, where they work, the environment in which they work, 
how they work, their autonomy and governance issues, but not only, not only how they work, the products and the processes that come out of this to be able to be globally rated. So, underlying this is the fact that because we're trade unions, we're also about bread and butter like Samuel Gompa said many, many years ago. When we finish all of this, unions still want the bread and they want the butter. So, and you think they might not be able to get that? Yeah, not in the feasible future because the reality is that to be able to achieve what we want until government releases that triangle and lets employers be employers and you be the referee. Government is unwilling right now to relinquish their, its hold on federal institutions or even state, states too are unwilling to release that. But we don't have a choice. In the next 20 years, we have to come to a position where South Africa and U.S. have done that. We say, okay, we'll give part of our ownership. Maybe we'll do 60, 40. In a paper last week, I recommended 80, 20 to start with. 80% control by the federal government, 20% control by others. Unions will now know that they are not all responsible to one employer who also happens to be the government. And, and you know, unions are very calculating. They know how to calculate their stakes depending on who the owner is. So I would think that the very first thing is let's address this question of autonomy mm -hmm. because it affects both funding and governance and outputs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are the obstacles and possible solutions to ensure that we can have adequate and sustainable funding for tertiary institutions? The way it is now, there's so much regulation from other agencies of government over these particular institutions that they are unable to be free, free to even exploit the value chain in education. When I say the value chain in education, we're talking about things like design of education, delivery of education, assessment of education, outreach programs, being able to impact the community in a way that is relevant, you know, given our our dynamics. Being unable to do that, we are dependent on the funds that is available. If you give us 10 naira, we give you 10 naira worth of things. So, um, relinquishing the control, we allow universities first to be able to exploit the value chain in education, second, to be able to fund themselves. And, and, and in funding ourselves, we'll be able to differentiate. Uni just doesn't have to be like Uni Abuja or Uni Lori. We can be very unique in our offerings and people will choose University of just because they are offering the things that we want. And then us that are the, the service users, us that benefit from what a university does, we will also assess what we want and we will pay for what we want. People want to pay for value. As it is now, the value is very undifferentiated because it's limited by constraints that every university is unable to beat their chest, even Unilag. Is the private-public sector model um, a possible alternative or option to pursue funding for public tertiary institutions in Nigeria? Or more? It can be just public-private partnership. It has to be more. If we're going to see universities as the engine of globalization not just the engine of development but the engine of globalization where there's a paradigm shift we're not looking at uh, this as a public good 
Rather, we are looking at it as something that is an enabler for people to function in the 21st century. If we're going to do that paradigm shift, then we can't, we can't just say public-private partnership. We're also going to look at all the other uh, sources available. And like I say, right now, universities could stand on their own if they could exploit even their value chain. And if there was even fee-for-service. Too often there's no fee-for-service. For example, Houdin, do you know that in 2016, to maintain one student on campus, it's 360,000 Naira per annum. Do you think that the government funds 360,000 Naira per annum per every student? Should they? Some people can afford it. People, people can afford 360,000. Some, not everybody. So can you see that in one institution, we should be able to have a situation where those who can afford to pay this should. Those who can afford to pay on scholarship should. And those who don't have any business being in universities shouldn't even be in universities. Because there are other options. It's an interesting conversation so far. We're taking a break at the moment. Please join us again right after this. Sugar is pleasantly sweet and can be used in tea, coffee, pap, and a variety of cereals and beverages. Nasco Cube Sugar can be taken at any time of the day. And what's more, each cube delivers a sweet taste and experience. Really? Nasco Cube Sugar is fortified with vitamin A and dissolves fast. Nasco Cube. Mmm. Nasco Cube Sugar. Sugar. For that sweet taste. Nasco Cube. Nasco Cube Sugar, another quality product from Nasco. You are on to your favorite Nasco Moments radio show. Our guest today is Professor Teresa Madu, the immediate past, first two-time female Deputy Vice-Chancellor Administration in the history of the University of Joss, where she has been researching, teaching, and serving. She has been sharing very valuable thoughts on options and strategies to tackle and minimize incessant strikes in Nigerian tertiary institutions. Um, now, let's um, look at what, in your view, are viable and practical options to minimize the strikes in Nigeria's institutions? If we can't end them, how can we minimize them? Number one, you can't wish away unions. So, can we institutionalize collective bargaining? In collective bargaining, you regard each other as equal partners. And then we talk about the issues and then we make an agreement. And that agreement should be implemented with fidelity. To me, if we are not ready to make an agreement, we shouldn't acquiesce. We shouldn't just say, for peace sake, let's have this. <laughs> that amounts to what also calls a deficit of trust. But once we have agreement, we should also get to the point where we actually implement it. Now, that is one side of the equation. The second side of the equation too is that can we also be reasonable in the way we, we arrive at this agreement? So somebody said, um, I'm giving unions a leeway. And I said, no, no, no. You can even ask for shoe allowance. What the negotiation does is says, how has the shoe got to do with your job description and how you will deliver. 
And also, can we come back now and measure your performance and say that what your output is is commensurate to what we are paying you? Can you see that this will be a way forward? Because without institutionalizing collective bargaining, we'll continue going on strikes and come back, the employer pays you the backlog of salary. Whereas in actual collective bargaining, when you declare a strike, you already have a war chest. You've already built your watches. You are ready to fight with your employer until it is all done. But can you see that we have many, many issues that we know that we haven't done our due process. So we lack a moral and, and an ethical uh, right to say you do this when we haven't done our own part. Mm. Okay. Um, what advice would you have for stakeholders in tertiary institutions such as ASU and NASU and even more than that on their role and responsibility? in adopting other methods of engaging uh, the federal government other than strikes. So you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I say, typically it seems like the unions on campus actually think of themselves as trade unions, and that's who they are. But remember that you get to be an employee first before you become a union. And in the long run, the institutions are about scholarship whether students or staff, which we can't run away from. And can we begin to see the future of our country above the bread and butter that I mentioned earlier? Can we actually be altruistic in our demands and even in our struggles? I think that there's a kind of decline in the philosophical way in which trade unionism work in the past and right now where it is. It's difficult to, to arrive at, this is the chicken or the egg, which one comes first. But I think as unions, we can be altruistic, we can be reasonable, and we can also look at our future and say, okay, suppose there's no institution. So I'm not saying that unionism won't take place, I'm just saying that it will be ideological, it will be responsible and it will also think about the future of education itself. Um, what are your parting words to the person who has been listening to this conversation? I would say quality education is not cheap. Let's remember that. So um, all stakeholders must, must galvanize our efforts at pursuing the kind of quality of education that we all desire for now and for the future. Okay, that's a very good way to end the program today. Uh, Professor Teresa Amadu, we're grateful to have you on the NASCO Morning Show this morning. Thank you for having me. And um, your insights on this show, I'm sure, have no doubt assisted the listener to appreciate the various options and strategies to tackle and minimize incessant strikes in Nigerian tertiary institutions. As we end the show, we ask you to follow the program on www.facebook.com forward slash NASCO group or on Twitter using the handle at NASCO group. You can freely send your feedback on any aspect of the NASCO Moment Show to the email marketing at nasco.net or by text through the dedicated care line 0805-774-7777. Our NASCO Moments trivia question for this week is... What is the full name of the first Nigerian Vice-Chancellor of Amadubello University, Zaria? And what was the person's professional discipline? Send the correct answer via text to 
774-7777 and include your full name and exact location. Our question on the program last week was, what is the full name of the owner and promoter of the Nigerian fashion label known as Jewel by Lisa? The answer is Lisa Folawayo, and our winner is Shedrak David from Punkshin. Congratulations, Shedrak. You'll get a call telling you how to claim your NASCO gift basket. The NASCO Moments radio talk show has been brought to you by NASCO Group. It was created by Unimark Limited, marketing communications consultants. Executive producers, NASCO Marketing Department, producer Harun Audu. Research and content development, George Palm, Malau Silvanus and Harun Audu. Production coordinators, Solomon Audu, Malau Silvanus and Alex Ruben. I'm Hudun Gyang. Stay out of trouble and find a place to volunteer service and join us again next week.